So I invite you to turn with me to Matthew 6, and we will be looking once again at this passage of Scripture that is often commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And yet, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, this isn't just a prayer that ought to be repeated word for word by us. Rather, it is a model prayer. It is our Lord teaching His disciples how we ought to pray. And I want to, just by way of review, quickly look back at the five points that we made a couple of weeks ago about this. First of all, in our prayer, we need to understand God's purpose. What is God's purpose in all things? Well, it is to bring glory to Himself, to accomplish His will in our world. And we see that theme throughout this prayer, throughout these verses. We looked for a little while at God's paternity, the fact that He is our Father who is in heaven. It is We are not just petitioning some powerful deity, just some ruler or sovereign, even though He is all of those things. We are praying to our Father. That means He cares. That means... He loves. That means that His plans for us are thinking about us as His children. And then we looked at God's priority in the phrase, Hallowed be thy name, that God is holy. God, his, in His priority in this world, is to bring us into the image of Jesus Christ, to set us apart for His work. And God is holy. He is absolutely above and apart from all sin. And so as we pray, we understand God is doing a work for the holiness of His name. We looked at God's program. Thy kingdom come. God does not exist just to do what you want Him to do. To fulfill your program, He is here to fulfill His program, that His kingdom would come, both in the eternal sense, that Christ would return and that he, he would set up His kingdom to rule and to reign, but also in the sense where we are right now, that God's kingdom would rule in our own hearts and in the hearts of those around us. It's a prayer for God's work through the gospel to be done to transform lives Thy kingdom come. And then we looked at God's plan. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, tonight, when God says something or desires for something to be done in heaven, it is immediately done. And yet, here on this earth, as people exercise their own free will, they often behave in ways that are contrary to God's Word. And so it is a prayer for Christ's soon return. It's a, re, it's a prayer for people to submit themselves to God's will, to God's plan for their lives. Let's read together Matthew 6, 9 through 15 tonight, and then we will look at this next portion of the prayer together. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth 
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You say, well, there's amen. That's the end of the prayer, correct? Yes. But verses 14 and 15 here, we're almost like a postscript, if you will, to this prayer that as it speaks about forgiveness, really referring to ideas we just looked at and we'll look at in more detail tonight. It says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive men not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we're going to pick up tonight in verse 11 with the phrase, Give us this day our daily bread. And the first thing we want to see tonight is God's provision. Now when you hear this, this word, give us this day our daily bread, this may not think of a prayer, you might not think of this as a prayer that you really need to pray. I mean, after all, we have an abundance of bread already. We have all that we need. We have plenty of food. We have plenty of things. So why should somebody who has everything they really already need still say or have the attitude in their prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread? Well, what is this bread that he's referring to? This is our substance, right? This is our provision. This is what God has given to us to take care of us throughout every day. I believe this idea is symbolic of what He gives us to meet all of our physical needs. God is completely self-sufficient. He has everything He needs, and He takes care of Himself, of course, but He also cares about providing for our needs. And here we see, as He asks us to pray for our daily needs to Him, He is obligating Himself to meet our daily needs, whether that be food, clothing, or a place of rest. God doesn't have to provide those things. He's God. And yet, He obligates Himself so that He promises He will if we will but ask. James 1.17 reminds us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. From the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Give us this day our daily bread. God, what do I need physically for this day? And we can cry out to the Lord. He promises to provide this substance. You know, God also provides spiritually for us what we need every day as well. Often the Word of God is referred to as the bread of life. And I'm so thankful that each day as we come to His Word, He has exactly what we need for each day to sustain us spiritually along the way. But as we look at this phrase, give us this day, we need to, our daily bread, we need to understand the substance, the bread, whether it's physical bread, spiritual bread, the daily provision that we need, but we also need to understand the source, the source of this provision. 
Who is this prayer prayed to? It's prayed, of course, to God. So the source for our provision is from God. Everything that we have comes from Him. And that's so important to remember, isn't it? You ever wake up frustrated or you're finishing your day and you're frustrated because something didn't go the way that you wanted it to go? You felt like you didn't have enough of this or enough of that or if this would just work out a little bit differently, then I would have that over there. Understand the source of our daily bread is our Heavenly Father. In Paul's message there on Mars Hill at Areopagus, there in Athens, in Acts 17, 24 to 28, he says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needeth anything. God doesn't need anything. We're the ones that need things, right? Seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things. Where does it all come from? It comes from God who gives life, breath, and all things. We can get the attitude sometimes even in our place of blessing to say, wow, look at all that I have. But we must be reminded and we should be even in our daily prayers to God. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Provide what I need for today and recognize what you have comes from Him. It says in verse 26 of Acts 17, And He's made all thing, of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Why? He says that they should seek the Lord. Why has God provided us all things? Why has God determined how this world functions? Because God wants us to seek Him. God wants us to look for the one who has provided all these things. Where do good things come from? Well, the temptation of the flesh is to say, well, I did this for myself. Look at what I did. Look at what I figured out. And the natural bent of mankind is to try to twist the law or to go against what is right and what should be done in order to provide better for themselves. That's where we get the desire to steal or to cheat or to go against the system that God has created. But if we'll submit ourselves to the laws of this world, if we submit ourselves to the laws that God has established in His Word, we have to step back and say, where does all this come from? It comes from God. Paul said there in verse 27 that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after Him and find Him though He be not far from every one of us. If you look to the one who is providing for your needs, you will find God. Because any other provider that you look to, you realize very quickly they will come to the end of their ability to provide. At some point that person in your life that well, they've just given me so many good things. Eventually, they will pass away. And now where does it come from? At some point that perhaps even a government that's promised, we're going to provide for you, all of a sudden the system changes. That company that you think, well, if I do good for them, they're going to provide for me. All of a sudden, something changes in the pay plan or they get bought out by somebody else or somebody, some, something happens with the leadership and all of a sudden, that thing you thought was providing for you 
isn't there. It even comes in your own strength too, doesn't it? Often people can fall into the trap of thinking, well, I've got this figured out. I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. I can do this until all of a sudden you run out of your own resources. And you remember the source of all provision comes from God. Paul said in Acts 17, 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being, our very existence, our very identity is found in our Creator God. And if we find our identity, our source of joy or provision of daily bread, if you will, in anything else, we will ultimately only find frustration because God is the source of our provision. For in Him we live, move, have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. What a great thought. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, "...hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things." by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anybody I'd rather have be the source of my daily bread than the one who created all things, than the one who upholds it all with His hand, than the one who sent His only begotten Son to die for your sin. He is the source of our daily bread. And what a great source that is. When you feel like you're running out, you feel like you don't have enough, get back to the Word of God. Read and refresh your mind of His promises. Meditate on His goodness to you. To us, as the old song says, count your blessings. Name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. In this prayer for provision, this prayer for daily bread, we know what that bread is, that substance. We know the source of that bread. But notice here in our text, there is a supplication. He says, give us this day our daily bread. It's God's desire that we ask Him for our daily bread. Now, you might think to yourself, why should I ask for this? Some might say, well, that sounds selfish. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But it's not selfish if you're asking as someone truly in need. And that's really what this idea of supplication is. You're putting yourself in a position where you're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. Please give us, give me what I need for today. Lord, I'm asking you because I'm not the provider. I'm not the source. God, I'm asking you because there's nobody else that I can ask. Remember the words of Jesus' disciple when he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. We need to have that same attitude when we come to the Lord, even every day when we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, 3 and 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the the land, and verily thou shalt 
be fed. When you walk with the Lord in the light of His word, in the light of His word, what a glory He sheds on our way. He provides for our need. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When we call upon the Lord and ask Him to give, it's a way that we delight ourselves and say, God, you are the source. Psalm 37, 25, David writes, I've been, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. David calls out to the Lord and says, Lord, as long, in my whole life, I've always had provision of daily bread. Had David been through hard times? Sure he had. He'd had to hide out in the wilderness from Saul, and yet God had provided for him there. David had been out as a young man with the sheep, and yet God had provided for him there. Now he's old, and even during this time, remember Absalom had chased him out and run him away from his own kingdom, and David's out in the wilderness once again, and God provided people to come along and provide for his needs. So there's a supplication. We ought to ask God to give and then in this daily prayer for bread of God's provision, there's also the seekers. Who are the seekers? Well, that's us. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us. Jesus said later on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what shall you drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the light more than meat and the body than raiment? And then a little bit later on in verse 32 and 33, he says, After all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I was talking with a man on the phone this afternoon. Lost his job, lost his house, lost his car. He's struggling. He's going through a very difficult time. And he's also struggling in some other areas in his life. And I said, you know, all those reasons, all those things, we often then look at and say, well, now I have an excuse to do things my way. And I said, there's never a good excuse to sin. You still must seek God first. Put Him first. Follow Him Talk to Him. Call out to Him and ask for His provision because He's the true provider of all things. Confess your sin to the Lord. Make sure you're right with Him. Trust in the Lord and ask Him for direction and begin to put one foot in front of the other, but do right and serve God. We are the seekers. We must call, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And then the final portion of this phrase on on bread as we're looking at god's provision is the schedule he says it's our daily daily bread this always reminds me of the children of israel in the old testament when god sent the manna in the wilderness and god told them with this manna they had to go out each day and gather what they needed for that day if they gathered too much it would spoil Except on Friday, they were to gather a double portion so that they would have enough uh, for the Sabbath day, so they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. 
And each day, they would go out and they would get enough for that day. If they got too much, it didn't last. If they didn't go, go gather it, they didn't have any food to eat because when the sun came up, it would all melt away and it wouldn't be available anymore. I think there's this idea in our walk with the Lord that it's something that we need daily provision. Do you ever get the feeling sometimes, I mean, we do this, we, we go to the grocery store and we buy enough for a few days, or you buy enough for a week, or you go shopping for clothing and you buy enough clothes to last you a while. And sometimes because of those things, we can find ourselves where we think, well, I'm kind of self-sufficient. Sometimes we even do that with our relationship with God. Well, I came to church on Sunday, came to church on Wednesday, look at us. I have enough. This is going to get me through the rest of the week. I'm thankful for Sundays and Wednesdays and other times to get together. But you know, a real relationship with God, we need daily provision. Not just physically, but spiritually. God didn't create you to live for extended periods of time away from His provision. He didn't create you to be self-sufficient. He created you to be God dependent. We are to be dependent on our Lord for our food, yes, physically, for our clothing, physically, but also spiritually. This prayer reminds us as we pray, we ought to ask God for all of these things, the spiritual and physical things that we need every day. And if God's given you enough, maybe it's bread in your in your pantry or food in your fridge to last you a few days, you ought to thank Him every single day for those things because it is God that's allowed you to have enough milk to last you three days or enough bread to last you a week or whatever it is because He is the source. Give us this day our daily bread. And then let's look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We've talked about God's provision. Now I want us to look at God's pardon. God's pardon. We all have the same problem, and that is sin. Forgive us our debts. This word translated debts is a word that's used not as often as some of the other words translated sin in our Bible, but this is a word that's referring to sin. And it's some, one of the words that's used to, to speak of sin speaks of breaking God's law. This word used to speak of sin is well translated when it's translated as a debt because it speaks to the idea that now, because we've broken God's law, we owe a debt. And we know that our sin debt is a debt we could never repay. And so that's why it says, and forgive us our debts. This is not debts in the sense of, well, I owe some financial money and I need to pay it back. It's I've broken God's law and I owe a debt to Him that I could never repay. There's a problem. It's sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we see here in this verse, there's great provision. And that provision is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Nehemiah 9 verse 17, he says, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. In Romans 5 verse 20, Paul writes, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's pardon 
We ought to pray for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. We see the problem is sin. The provision is forgiveness. The plea is saying, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us our debts. Asking forgiveness implies confession. Sin that is not confessed cannot be forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why when our children do something wrong to another child, we say, hey, you need to go make that right. You need to ask forgiveness. We first want them to say, well, here's what I did wrong. Would you please forgive me? Sometimes we want to just kind of have this attitude, well, forgive me. For what? Let us know what you want forgiveness from. God expects our confession of our sin to Him, and then He promises forgiveness in return. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So what do you do when you sin? Do you just say, I'm going to try not to do that ever again? No. The right response of a humble Christian understanding the power of the gospel through the blood of Jesus Christ would be to come before your heavenly Father and say, Father, I've done this that's wrong. You fill in the blank. Please forgive me. Confess and forsake your sin. And He promises to have mercy. But when it comes to this confession of sin and the forgiveness that God provides, in the Lord's Prayer here, we have a prerequisite to forgiveness. Look at the second part of verse 12. He says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Here's the prerequisite. We must forgive. You must forgive. If you're not willing to forgive others for what they've done to you, then you're not really in a position to ask God for forgiveness either. There's the parable that Christ told of this man who owed his Lord a great sum of money, so much money that he could never hope to repay the king in all of his lifetime. And you remember, he went before the king and the king forgave him. What did that man do after he was forgiven that great sum of money? The Bible says he went to a friend who owed him just a very small amount of money. And he said, pay me what you owe. And the man said, well, I can't pay you now, but if you'll wait a little bit, give me a few days, I'll get the money together and pay you back. And the man, instead of giving him time, took his friend and he threw him in prison. And he said, you'll stay there until you pay what you owe me. So this man, some other people got together and they went back to the king and they said, King, this man that you forgave this great sum, he went and took his friend and threw him in prison over a small sum of money. And of course, the Bible tells us that that man, the king took him and threw him in prison. You see, God's forgiveness of us means we must forgive others. Why? Because forgiveness is the character of righteousness. Forgiveness is the mark of a truly regenerate heart. If you've been saved, if you've been forgiven, then you will want to forgive in return. 
So those who refuse to forgive others, how can they stand before God and say, please forgive me? They're not righteous in their own heart. If they're not righteous, they're not willing to confess and be honest about their own sin. I want you to understand this is not a works-based salvation saying, well, you have to do this and this and this, therefore, therefore, you will not be forgiven. What this is saying, though, is this is a salvation that works. You know, those who truly have been forgiven will forgive others. And if you're not willing to forgive others, examine your heart. Say, well, they've done me wrong. They have a great debt. Don't you understand our debt to God was even greater? The prerequisite, we must forgive also because Christ forgave. Ephesians 4.32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Unresolved conflict between believers causes disunity and it hinders the work of God. Psalm 66, 18 makes it very plain. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if you are refusing to forgive someone else, this is you harboring iniquity, bitterness, unforgiveness in your own heart. So therefore, you cannot expect God to forgive you. Forgiving others also brings God's forgiveness to ourselves. Nothing is more important to your Christian life than forgiveness. Because you need to be forgiven. It's absolutely vital to have a right relationship with God and others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So in our prayer to God, we ought to be asking God to show us, Lord, is there somebody in my life that I need to forgive them for something they've done to me? And Father... I realize I've done this wrong as well. Would you please forgive me of this? It's that back and forth communication with God. Lord, help me to forgive them. Lord, help me not to harbor bitterness and anger and malice towards them in my heart or resentment. Lord, please forgive me of the things I've done as well. I think the more we humble ourselves before God and ask Him for our own forgiveness, the more it will motivate us to want to forgive those who have done wrong to us. We see... God's pardon. Notice in the next verse, we have God's protection. God's protection. It says in verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, it might be said this way, Lord, don't ever lead us into a trial that will present such a temptation that we will not be able to resist it. I think the heart behind this phrase of the Lord's Prayer is summed up so well in 1 Corinthians 10.13 where it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Or as James said in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's God's protection here. Lord, don't lead me into something, into a temptation. Rather, 
Deliver me from evil. And then the rest of verse 13 says, For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We see God's preeminence in all things. As we pray, we're praying to the God who's in charge of it all. It's His kingdom. It's His power. And it's all for His glory. Amen. Then verses 14 and 15, really this idea of forgiveness is repeated quite a bit here in these verses of Scripture. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He really is highlighting this idea of forgiveness. Remember Jesus' original audience in this, in this passage, the Sermon on the Mount? He's speaking to these religious leaders, many scribes and Pharisees, and probably lots of common people were gathered there that day. And those people in that day, I think, struggle with some of the same things we struggle with today. Self-righteousness, feeling better than somebody else, feeling like they're performing in a specific way that is pleasing to God. I mean, the Pharisees prided themselves on trying to keep every point of the law perfectly. And yet, like us, when somebody would do them wrong, they might use that as an occasion to hold a grudge, to look down on somebody, to treat them poorly. So I think what we're seeing here in this reminder, this model prayer, if you will, we must live in a place of forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness, and we must be forgiving those around us because people do you wrong all the time. And it's so easy to get frustrated. And sometimes we get frustrated at people who are a long ways away. What do I mean by that? Well, we get frustrated at government. We get frustrated at maybe the guy who ran the red light a long distance. You know, we, we don't know him. We get frustrated at, at the neighbor down the street. We get frustrated at that person who does something we just don't like, and we don't even really have the opportunity to interact with them directly. It's, it's more at a distance, but we live our life upset because everybody doesn't see things the way I see it or everybody doesn't do it the way I do it. My friends, let's just confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to forgive them. I sure am thankful that you've forgiven me a lot. Sometimes we get frustrated with the people far away, and yes, sometimes we carry unforgiveness towards those that are very near. The person that lives in your house with you, the person who you interact with at work or around in your sphere of influence on a regular basis. And it's easy to walk around carrying resentment, carrying bitterness towards those. But if we expect to have our prayers answered, if we expect to have a close relationship with God, which is really what this prayer is all about, about having a right relationship with Him, then we must ask God to forgive us and at the same time ask God to help us to forgive those around us. Living in a right place with God, living in close fellowship with Him. Why? Because God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a purpose and He's working it all together. And He has the power and the ability to do it. It's not a question of if God will win. 
God's plan will succeed. It's a question of whether you and I will be with Him when He accomplishes it or if we will not. The blessings come as we walk with Him. The struggle comes when we get away from Him. May we walk with Him in prayer. And as we go to prayer in just a couple minutes here, I am just so thankful that we can do this together tonight, that we can bring our requests before Him and that He hears and He answers. Let us not neglect the privilege of prayer. But prayer, it takes discipline. It takes focus. It takes confessing your own sin to the Lord. It takes a plan. Okay, what am I going to pray about? If you start to pray with nothing to pray about and you're tired, like most of us are most of the time, you'll probably just fall asleep. Well, you don't get a whole lot accomplished with that. Even though you might sleep better if you start out praying. Sometimes I do that. If I can't sleep, I just start praying about things and I'll go to sleep pretty quickly. That's wonderful. But that shouldn't be the, sole, the, the sum total of our prayer life. Well, I just use it to put me to sleep. Well, that's good, but uh, prayer could be more than that, don't you think? I mean... If I just told Shandy, you know, every time I talk to you, I just go to sleep. You're just so peaceful. It's just great. She'd probably, and there are times we've been talking late at night and I go to sleep. But if that was the sum total of our relationship, she'd probably be like, what's wrong with this guy? He just sleeps every time he talks to me. I hope that's not the sum total of your prayer relationship with the Lord. I hope it's not just a quick, all right, Lord, good morning. And out the door we go, busy about what we're trying to do. But rather, prayer is something just we spend time every day. Lord, you're my father. You're holy. Lord, I want your kingdom to come, not mine. Lord, I want your will to be done. I got a lot of plans, a lot of things I got to accomplish. My checklist is long. Lord, I want your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, you're the source of all things. Give us this day, because we need your help every day. This day, our daily bread. It's not because I'm a great employee it's not because i'm the smartest person in the room lord it's because you are our provider it all comes from you give us this day our daily bread our our sustenance our provision for this day lord we need your encouragement in your word we need your physical nourishment and provision and lord please forgive us forgive our debts we owe so many great debts to the lord but Lord, help us to forgive others who owe us. When God pays off your debt, you have a whole lot more to draw from to be able to pay off other people's debts to you, don't you? When you look at your spiritual bank account through the eyes of the gospel and realize it says paid in full, now you have an account to be able to withdraw and help to pay somebody else's debt off. Lord, life is difficult. 
Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Give us the way of escape. Even when it seems hard and everybody else is against us, we have nowhere to turn. Lord, we can always look to you. Why? Because it's your kingdom. You have all the power. And it's all for your glory forever. Amen.